So if you're just tuned in, you're listening to VVFA Radio live from the Victorian Albert Museum in London. We're here as part of the Digital Design Weekend and um, sat here in the new Sackler Centre of the Victorian Albert Museum, surrounded by fascinating projects exploring different types of technological futures. Yeah, and I'm here um, in case you don't know us and you don't recognize your voices. My name is Jasmine Blasco. I'm talking to Andrew Friend. Um, and I'm a more recent addition to the VVFA project. Uh, I started working with you guys about a year ago, almost. Well, maybe a bit two years ago in Berlin. Oh, that's true, actually. We all kind of started off. Yeah. So you guys, let's set that up. You guys were running a workshop in Berlin. Um, I'm. What was it called? The first question, because I'm not sure I remember. It was a workshop. Citraka, Rakatoniana, and I were running fabricating empathy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I remember I, <laughs> after uh, a lot of hard work at a CNC machine, I finally managed to build a robot, uh, sort of a, a claw. Mo- motor control claw to cut off the blood circulation to your arm. I mean, that's a good idea, right? <laughs> I was the people at the Fab Lab were really having a laugh with me because they they were like, "Okay, I see what you're doing. It's clear, but, but why? why? Why in the world is this even happening?" This is it. Objects from the future. So it kind of ties into the very, very far away project. It's all about imagining, embodying, and depicting potential futures. Yeah, and and I want to say this is all tied into um, where uh, you and Citraka met at um, DI at the RCA, and that's very much the tradition of that program is to sort of uh, reflect and think and address the future critically via the design of most often objects, although that's not always the case for every... Yeah, objects, performances, events, situations. Right. And um, and I remember when we met at the workshop, you guys were telling me that uh, for you in Citraka, the the important emphasis was to um, build you know machines that actually functioned. That uh, you wanted to stick a a foot in the ground in your practice in terms of things that were crafted and that were uh, functioning in order to express their idea and their concept. There's a kind of truth and reality to it that gets people on board. And yeah, if you're trying to talk about things that are a bit out there, yeah. You need to have some legitimacy somewhere along the line in order to get people to, as a springboard to kind of dream. Yeah. Think from. And actually, this was this was very striking. I saw your um, the reason I wanted to get in touch with you guys is I saw your project, the Prophecy Program at um, Media Design uh, Practices at Art Center, uh, just when I started studying there, and it was this inc- incredible sculptural installation that looked also very threatening <laughs> and wonderful. And there's uh, a degree of threat, yeah. Well, there's a, uh, but maybe like um, des- describe it to us because there's something that um, there's a bit of a test. It's not a sculpture, something that you statically approach. There's something interactive and kind of uh, there's a potential there for something. Yeah, the, some the whole point of that that work was um, was came about from the location. So you can imagine being set inside a massive former wind tunnel where they used to test supersonic jets and yeah. missiles and things they would launch into space as so part of the NASA kind of jet propulsion lab. Yeah. The idea was to to go to this space and, and turn what's now a gallery back into a space of testing, a space of experimentation. Right. Yeah, that's right. So the, so the project uh, sort of uh, requires a person to put on something that scans their brain waves or their... Um, or, the, or the, the the amount of stress that's uh, occurring in their body, and if it passes a certain threshold, it'll shoot little pellets at that person. It might kind of. I mean, that that's kind of it. it. It's about testing your ability to predict and um, a biological ability to predict the future. So recognition, right. which taps into a very Southern California kind of psyche. Of course, kind of like <laughs> chat to people there, and they and they'll be like. 
come up to you and say, ah, oh, I think I've got psychic powers. Test it out on me. And of course. Being kind of European out there, we're just like, sure, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> a little bit cynical. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> it kind of worked. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think it's yeah the, ca- the Californian combination of individualism and um, sort of a faith and self-discovery and the possibility of technology or create that kind of nexus. Yeah, exactly. And, and the government spent so much money on it as well. There's a yeah. whole government strands of U.S. federal kind of funding going into parapsychic warfare and all of these things. So the installation, the prophecy program, was a, a large um, test mechanism, a test rig for testing yourself right. and whether you can predict the future in, in these ways without necessarily like kind of consciously being aware of it. Right. So it's like a large Russian roulette machine in many ways. You right. stand in the center of this array. It's very theatrical. The moment is designed from the kind of moment you step into the gallery to being surrounded by these air cannons. Right. Um, down to the aesthetics of the actual um, installation as well, recalling ideas of testing and of scientific kind of languages, apparatus, machinery. Yeah. You get surrounded by these cannons and hooked up to a load of sensors. So you can imagine being in that position and then one of the cannons that's surrounding you will fire yeah <laughs> if you want if you want to see uh, videos and images of this of this piece uh, Andrew and Citraka have a website together for their work which is probably andrew.citraka.co.uk there you go so go check that out but I wanted to bring that up because I wanted to to drive back to at that point were you and uh, Citraka working under the name very very far away or how did the interest more specifically into you know um, predicting the potential futures for spe- space exploration uh, kind of come to be as a research project ah, the very very far away kind of monkey if you want that kind of came about after we were reading about a load of telescopes huh so there's a lot of kind of reading oh, about right. stuff, researching things, and telescopes being this bridge to the unknown. That's kind of yeah. the ability to transport yourself from one place through time and often space yep. to see things that were happening 2,000 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of magic when yeah. you think about it like that. So we were doing a lot of research about telescopes, and then that led into thinking about the very, very far away, things that are very, very far away, getting very far away. Right. So, so thematic abstraction from that yeah, that object, exactly. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which then kind of organically snowboard into into what we have today, which is <laughs> a kind of wide-spanning project. Yeah, We're working with many collaborators like yourself and Worms, Michael yeah. Lewis, and yeah, long list of collaborators and. Um, we're kind of working in multiple strands from workshops engaging with members of the public and individuals talking about how they think the future could be and, and opening their understanding of how they can challenge and push that through to the podcast yep. that is um, broadcast on dublab.com. Yep. And, um, Shout out to Dublab. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> and then um, big events, public events in galleries, institutions all over the place, like this weekend's event at the Victorian Albert Museum. Yeah, just kicked off. That's where we are. Um, so, uh, yeah, I wanted to, to wind back to our common interest of narratives because there's a lot of, um, um, through your craft of objects, you, you guys uh, are interested in sort of the narrative situations that, that that opens up, that the staging of those objects and how they're used to open up. And this is very much our sort of rejoined point of interest. So um, it's a good place to kind of... Um, you know, re-explain how, how VVFA, the podcast, came to be uh, when you guys asked me to come and join 
as a sort of um, as a way to give form to some of these things that were explored in the in these workshops in which you um, like th- describe some of what yeah, you do in the so workshop the, the timeline for example and stuff like that we've been doing these workshops all across Europe in like Berlin Paris London Turin all over all over the place and and we were having these fantastic conversations with people the workshops revolve around making a timeline right it's not just a straight up linear timeline it we start to get um, participants on the workshop to put their own kind of subjective interest into it as well. So you start to have dystopias, utopias, people's preferences emerging. Yeah. And we'd have the most fantastic conversations with people for a day, two days, up to a week. So some of the workshops even go on for a month. During this time, we'd be kind of building these, these worlds through these conversations. But then we were at a point where we... Sitraka and I didn't really know what to do with all this stuff. We started recording it, we started picking bits of it and thinking like, oh, this would be super interesting to, to kind of build into something more or yeah. how can we put this into something that we can kind of communicate the narratives that are coming together. And often in our, in our work, it's through object, through installation, through physical kind of um, means. But often for these kind of future ideas and to reach a wide audience, it's not necessarily the most appropriate way to do that or always so that's then when we got in touch with you and start developing yeah. the um the podcast yeah absolutely um you think we should play a couple clips from the from the the workshops i uh, think we should play one there's there's a great one we did this summer in the south of italy which is perfect for the breakfast show <laughs> where there's a workshop all about um landscape and understanding the very very far away tied in with the very traditional southern italian um kind of situation. This is a workshop that took place uh, with uh, Ramdam in Galliano del Capo in the far south of Italy. Okay. And um, we've got this kind of workout routine oh, I see, yeah. <laughs> interpreting and understanding <laughs> a landscape. I, I say I see because I've been, uh, I've been told about this. I have the sound file here. I'll, I'll, I'll play bits of it for you guys. Yeah, maybe we cut in and explain it a little bit along yeah. the way. It's live from the Victorian Albert Museum all weekend, 10 till 5. Come and say hi. There we are. Here is the clip. But that's uh, that voice uh, propose you. Anticipation of the case. You will have some action, and uh, it could be great if you enjoy this action with uh, the guide. We propose uh, a guide to the landscape. Mm, that's it. Okay. So this is the beginning of the of the workout routine, yeah? Here we go. Hello guys. Do you know if you were an individual or a collective community? This is a guide tutorial to access the landscape. Start. Warm up. Back to the nature. One. Use the ground to think without thinking. One. Two. Three. Four, five, six, seven, 
a little bit what's happening here sure there's a group of 15 artists from all over the world in um, brought together by this organization in Galliano del Capo in Puglia in Italy and um, we're spending a week in a studio above a train station at the end of the line this is the last train station in Italy oh well yeah the very end of the world growing landscape land understanding and moving beyond the land to the extraterrestrial. So everybody here at the moment is, is the group is um, stood outside a cave, which is a former grain store in the middle of a field. In the shadows, it's about kind of 25 degrees. In the sun, it's kind of 35. So it's yeah. really hot right now. And you have this group of people kind of following the instructions in the video, rustling around in the, in the <laughs> undergrowth. <laughs> um, Learning how to interpret the landscape. Fantastic. As if we'd landed from another planet. Yeah, so this is the, the other thing to bring up is we were talking about uh, our common interest in sort of narrative and, and writing, you know, things that we've done that are dialogue based and, and sort of uh, where sound design is an element of, of storytelling as well. But this is really going into live performance as well. Yeah, so that was the interesting thing with the workshop this, this summer was um, the taking the, the live performance element and, and making it spatial. Yeah. So we'd go through the future forecasting process that we do with the timelines, looking at 
terraforming, looking at landing from another planet, ownership of space, these kind of big topics. And then thinking about how we can build them into an experience or a performance that can be communicated in relation to a specific landscape right. place. So yeah. Kind of taking the very, very far away and making it very close in many ways. Yeah, yeah, bringing it home to the to the body. I think, um, I mean, it's... it's it always reminds me of, um, you know, for things that are more cinematic, of the uh, use of landscape for location. Of, you know, in California, the Vasquez Rocks, which is the, your sort of classic rocks jutting sideways out of the landscape, and you put on a red filter and you're, you know... You're on Mars. You're on Mars all of a sudden. Yeah. Or somebody's idea of Mars in the 50s. Well, didn't um, they do that in the 60s when they went to the moon? Yes, that's right. <laughs> Stanley Kubrick <laughs> was a great, great help for that. Great, fantastic uh, filmmaker to help us to go to the moon. But the idea that, that, that a conspiracy can even exist is quite telling, actually. Yeah, exactly. That's sort of the... the but, but in other words, I've, I've more familiar... That's interesting, because I'm more familiar... To go back to performance, I'm more familiar with this idea of, uh, of uh, using the backdrop or kind of you know, providing a visual representation for an environment that might be outer space or another world, as opposed to you know, manifesting it or behaving as though is quite, quite a different approach, and that's quite fun. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like with the way we can kind of project onto people through the audio version of the illustration we allow people a space to interpret and come up with their own visions of how this is yeah and i see uh joseph popper in the building in the building in the victorian albert museum speaking of somebody who builds uh, cinematic sets about space um should we play another clip from um i think we should play another one of the clips from the workshops this yeah. one is um from one of the workshops we've been doing with space art and technology which is a um kind of they have a lot of studios, galleries, and do a lot of public engagement in um, in London. And um, it's a workshop we did in November last year. And we have a series of different clips. I think we're going to play one about a um, kind of genetic trial. Oh, so yes. I, I have the one. Yeah. Well, let's play the clip, and then maybe we'll talk about it afterwards. Great. Here we go. Southwest District, Sector 46, Police Station Number 55, New New York. The date is August the 15th, 2068. The case is number 4677XA. The victim is John Junior Stewart. This dialogue will be recorded for the investigation. Hi, John. I'm Surgeon Kadia Eyes Everywhere, and I will be following your case. Can you please describe your request? Well, I don't know what's going on. These last days have been total crap. First, there are weird transactions happening on my bank account. Then I got fired for stuff I didn't do. Then really, really dodgy people come to my flat asking for money I don't have. Okay, well, we're going uh, to go through some short questionnaire procedure. Can you recall any deliberate or accidental case of your genetic traces left being left in public spaces, like dirty tissues or like hair fiber? No, no, no. I'm really careful. I follow all the directives about personal traces from the 2066 com campaign. I'm really worried. Uh, okay, then. Um, did you have any human interaction before this event happened? What do you mean, your interactions? Well, as it could be an intimate relationship. You mean like physical sex? Well, there was this night where I was drunk. Uh, tell me more. Was there any um, fluid exchange involved? Yeah, I don't remember. I don't even know her name. You know the danger of fluid exchange, right? 
Well, I always thought these were just rumors. Well, you wouldn't believe until it doesn't happen to you. We're having a big problem uh, with identi identity terrorists, shapeshifter, critical identity thieves, and uh, are more of uh, are more and more active in the city. From um, just a kiss or a caress, they can uh, keep your DNA, and thanks to the global inter internet world, <laughs> they can access your all your data in your account. Oh no, no, I'm definitely fucked then. <laughs> There we go. There, there it is. Go. Got hoisted by my own petard there. Using Joseph didn't bring the coffee. Joseph did not bring the <laughs> coffee. I've heard all about this. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently running joke uh, at Sugar House Studio, uh, Joseph is meant to bring the coffee. So I just, I just tagged along on that one. <laughs> I don't know anything <laughs> about it. It's over. Oh, he's not coming back. So, yeah. But <laughs> well, hopefully, Joseph Popper, uh, Popper will come back at 11.30 and we'll, we'll have a chat with him. Um, so let's reset uh, that clip we were just listening to, uh, Andrew. Yeah, so that was from a workshop we were doing in space, art and technology um, last November. And um, this kind of was a day-long session. So the last one, the one previous one in Italy was a week-long session. This this one just now was a day-long session where a group of uh, members of the public come along and um, make some futures up. Yeah. But the important thing is they're very critical futures so that, like I said before, there's this kind of lineage to the ideas. And we want people to challenge their understandings, what they mean by technology and how they might interact with it, how you might actually adopt and work and live in a future right. mediated by technology. So the last one is talking about a kind of genetic crime that's taken place and how your data travels through these different kind of fluids and bodily kind of functions to end up getting completely um, well, caught out, basically, by it. Right. So let's actually zoom in on that idea of, um, of interrogating the formulations of the future that the workshop attendants may have, because um, I could see how, you know, somebody may attend that kind of workshop and m may expect a kind of, a, you know, fantastical sort of sci-fi, more traditional sci-fi future in which, you know, you're the hero of your own, you kind of have a power fantasy for yourself or something where you project your anxiety. Um, so I wanted to know how you, how you sort of get people to, to bounce against their own sort of suppositions with, you know, wh what, is there a sort of a typical kind of um, over-elated person that shows up at the workshop? Is there a typical person that comes there to be cynical you know what do you bump into exactly that you sort you of get all sorts I yeah. think part, part of the beauty of it is is that you get everybody and they do bring their their own um, background with their baggage with them to the workshop but that's the kind of point because right. if we we want to build futures up futures are made out of people they're made out of everybody's different got their own kind of take on things and the dialogue and discussion between them is what creates the, the kind of interest point here. Much right. more so than, say, uh, we could have a great conversation about the future, but it would just be us talking about it. And right. if we can open that conversation up to, say, 15, 20 more people even, right. the conversation is going to be much broader and there's going to be a whole load of things that come out of it that we could never imagine. Right. And that, yeah, that's yeah. the point of it. So, say, for instance, in these workshops, we might have people who are you know, students coming along. We have people who work in the creative industries quite often like advertising media things like that yeah and also we get scientists coming we last one we did actually um a couple of months ago we had a guy who works in finance coming along as well so nice and it's kind of quite unrelated fields almost but with a right. shared fascination 
Oh, and I think that's supposed to give uh, uh, Lyota our uh, third, um, well, technically second, depending on how we're numbering them, but our next episode of VVFA, the Astrological Stock Exchange. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, the idea is that these workshops, these co-inquiries, is, is how we kind of brand them. Yeah. They, um, they give rise to potential narratives and a research tool for generating more ideas for the podcast. Which, yeah. Um, which we're producing, and next episode should be coming out in not too distant future, yes. hopefully. <laughs> in the fall. But uh, yeah, this is how I, I started to work with you guys as um, you know, collecting or hearing about some of the ideas and, and hearing some of the clips that came from the workshops and kind of you know, um, focusing on one or kind of central core component per episode. So this first episode that we did was called uh, Moonshiners. And um, how did that come about, this, this, this sort of central idea, kind of tongue-in-cheek idea to the episode? <laughs> it's quite a nice idea, this one. So it came about through, we were plotting a timeline. This was another one we did um, with Space, Art and Technology in London, another co-inquiry run with them, a workshop, that um, took place, oh, I think it was like a year ago, or even longer, like 18 months ago. So, um, And during the co-inquiry, we started kind of looking at uh, terraforming extraterrestrial life, um, drone fleets, how do, right. you, how do you fuel things on... Ex- extraterrestrial bodies and for instance so um we started looking at how actually you could find um ethanol on um, comets and this is this is a true this being found evidence of ethanol on comets on extraterrestrial bodies so with that in mind you could start to speculate you can jump from that point and think okay you can find ethanol on a comet therefore maybe what you could do is you could start to use this as fuel yeah you could use it to fuel kind of Robotics, you could fuel um, life supporting mechanisms, machines from space. So you don't need that connection to Earth all the time, which means then you can project further away physically as yep. well as mentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, however, also, you can make alcohol out of space. <laughs> it kind of gives rise to we're humans after all at the moment. Yeah. Um, maybe we might start to do other things with this alcohol as well as just fuel our drone fleet yeah might start have a bit of fun with it yeah and this is part of um this episode that we're about to play uh called moonshiners which uh, has a character who's a minor well maybe i won't give too much away we have we essentially the episode itself has a sort of a a, a journalist character it's a it's in documentary form that goes and inquires about this particular community living in a particular part of time and space uh, very much having the kind to do of things they get up to yeah with, um, but it's, ba- it's based in a reality and that's the important thing to remember when when listening to the podcast and um, all of all of these narratives the points come out of the result of these workshops these big interactions with a lot of people and um, hopefully they kind of come to some interesting points out of it yeah 